Well, it is good to be with you this morning. I am seeing some familiar faces that I haven't seen for a little bit. And so, so glad that, uh, that you have come out uh, on this stormy Mother's Day morning. I, uh, I shared my message over in the contemporary service at 930 and, you know, preaching on Jonah this morning. And somebody uh, told me that the, the Lord sent a, a thunderstorm to be an illustration for this morning. So my apologies. I should have, you know, preached on maybe not a storm, right? So, so good to be with you this morning. And for those that are uh, joining us uh, on our, with our uh, online worshiping community, we want to extend a special welcome to you this morning as well. So a couple of weeks ago, I uh, shared a message uh, from the book of Daniel. And we know from our early childhood, right, that we associate Daniel with the lion's den and Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego and the fiery furnace. And this morning, again, going to be preaching from the book of Jonah. And my guess is uh, that most people, even if they don't even go to church, know the story of Jonah and the whale. Would you say that would be correct? Yeah, everybody knows about Jonah and the whale. And the whale, as we've learned, is just a very small uh, part of Jonah's story. And, and the book of Jonah is in the category of a minor prophet. And so we have major prophets and we have minor prophets. And these categories are defined by the length of the writing of the prophet. So for example, we have Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and these are all considered to be major prophets. And then we have uh, the writings of Malachi, Amos, uh, Micah, Jonah, and those are examples of minor prophets. And it doesn't mean that uh, one is better than another, it's just the length of their, their narratives. And in fact, again, like I said, Jonah, it's just very, uh, very short, four small, short, short chapters. And as I reflect on this, I think that there could really be another category in addition to the, the major and the minor prophet, and that could be the reluctant prophet, right? And Jonah would fit uh, in that, and he might probably would be listed first, and then a whole host of others. And many of us can relate with Jonah and being reluctant to follow where God calls or where God leads. You see, we can't hide from God, and, and we learn that from Jonah. But something I want you to think about this morning is that God provides where he guides. God provides where he guides. So I want to give you some context of this setting. Uh, Daniel, not Daniel, I'm losing track here. Jonah is in Joppa, which is just north of uh, Tel Aviv. It's very old, it's historic, it's set on the beautiful Mediterranean Sea. I have been to Joppa a couple of different times and looking forward to going back, it's just beautiful. And then, and then Tarshish, to give you some context, is modern day Spain. It's a far distance from Joppa. And meanwhile, Nineveh is in modern day Iraq, which would be about a, a three day walk. So to give you some context, uh, this is Joppa and God wants to send Jonah over here, just a short distance. And Jonah says, no, 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 I'm going all the way to Spain. I'm going to go as far as I can go. And he's way over here uh, headed to Tarshish. So Jonah wanted it um, his way, right? And he was running hard and he was running fast and he was running far. And he wanted it his way. I don't know about anybody else. Anybody else want it their way? Yeah. And uh, maybe we're in a situation that God is saying uh, to us one thing, and then we're over here like, mm, what about this, God? Could we maybe try this? What do you think? Could we try and maybe do this differently? Or could I request this or that? And, um, you know, I I'm sure God is just like, hmm, okay, I, I don't know. 
and he hears us, but at the same time, he's got plans for us. We want it our way. So I want to share a video clip with you this morning that I think that you will find humorous. Hi, welcome to McFaith, where you can have it your way right away. Would you like to try one of our new multi-religion combos? No thanks. Oh, can I have a God who is mighty? But can you go easy on the demands? Oh, sure. can we have like a side of forgiveness? Yeah, a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. Do, do, I love What else? Can you make this a light relationship, please, man? Because uh, we're pretty busy. Hey. Yo, talk Anything to me. else? Yeah, can you hold the condiments? Do you mean hold the condemnation? Adjust your headphones, hairnet. That's what he said. Okay, that's what I said. You want to supersize your religion? No way. We don't want people to think we're weird or anything. <laughs> Did someone say McFaith? Jump around, jump around, jump around now. Jump up, jump up and get down. Oh, it's good to chuckle, isn't it? So let's, uh, let's jump into our scripture, Jonah 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because their wickedness has confronted me. However, Jonah got up to flee from Tarshish, from the Lord's presence, and he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them uh, into Tarshish, and he went to flee from the Lord's presence. So I want to talk a little, about, a little bit about Nineveh this morning. Nineveh was the capital of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. It was described as great, meaning that it was large in size. Uh, some scholars say that it was 60 miles wide. That is pretty darn big. It was described as lawless, full of evil, full of sin, and also full of violence. Now, there was a great-grandson of Noah. We know Noah, it's like we've gone back to Sunday school, isn't it? Noah in the ark. So it's the great-grandson of Noah, who was described as a mighty man, large in stature, powerful, and a heroic figure. He was connected to the Tower of Babel, and he built the city of Nineveh. His power and glory came to nothing because God's power is stronger than the mightiest of men. Now, this great-grandson of Noah that I have just described, his name was Nimrod. Kind of fitting, isn't it? Kind of fitting. And I can't help but wonder uh, if his name was carried on in the lineage, right? Maybe there was a Nimrod Jr., Nimrod II. And maybe who were the parents that said, okay, we're just going to stop and we're not going to continue to pass down this name and the, the family's name, right? We're not going to continue on with Nimrod. I just thought that was, it's just such an, an interesting name when we think of uh, today with modern, with modern terms. So we, we pick back up. And Jonah says, I'm out, I'm out of here, I'm headed to Tarshish. Later people even said, you know, I'm going to pay my fare, I put money down, and um, I'm invested in this fleeing from the Lord, and he had big plans to go. And so I I'm sure he boarded that boat with the greatest of confidence. Settled into a seat, admired the beautiful view of the, the Mediterranean Sea, maybe poured himself a little drink, had a couple snacks, and dreamt of what Tarshish, or modern-day Spain, would be like, right? Life was good. He, he knew where he was going. And, and all the time, I'm sure God's posture was, was probably like, yeah, let's, you're just going to wait and find out how this is going to work out for you, right? He knew. He knew. And so the boat had set sail, and the Lord hurled a violent wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that it threatened to tear the boat apart. I don't know if any of you have been on a boat when a storm has come up, but it is scary. 
and the waves were crashing against the boat, and, and the boat was taking on water. You know it's really not good when the boat's taking on water. And the men, they were scared to, death, scared to death, and they're throwing the cargo overboard. And Jonah, bless his heart, bless his heart, he had gone down to the lowest part of the boat, and he had stretched out, and he was in a deep sleep. Deep sleep, with not a worry in the world. We pick up in verse uh, 6 in chapter 1. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, Come and let us throw uh, and cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and it fell to Noah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? What have you done? And they knew that he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. There's no running away from God now, right? So Jonah, how is this working out for you? How is this working out for you? And we know how it goes. He's, he's thrown into the water and he's swallowed up by this giant whale. And he's inside the belly of that whale for, for three days and for three nights. In the book of Matthew, Jesus uh, talks about the sign of Jonah. Hear these words from Matthew 12, verses 38 through 41. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Amen. In these three days, Jesus was referring to when, this, when the people spoke of the sign of Jonah. You see, Jesus had already been producing miracles that were witnessed by many. Jesus had just performed a great sign to the, uh, to the Pharisees in the presence of the Pharisees by healing a deaf man who was possessed by a demon. And rather than believe, they accused Jesus of doing this by the power of Satan. Jesus recognized the hardness of their heart, and he refused to give them further proof of his identity. However, he did say that there would be one further sign forthcoming, his resurrection from the dead. This would be their final opportunity to be convinced. As we know, Jonah was ejected and he was expelled from that fish. And we pick up in verse, not verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I just want to pause and thank God for second chances. Anybody else thankful for second chances? Amen. So the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And he said, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. 
So this time, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God, and a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. He took off his royal robes. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent with compassion and turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction that was threatened. The story of Jonah shows that while our sins reach far, God's grace reaches farther. It reaches farther. You see, many times God will send us where we don't want to go or give us a message that we are afraid to tell. A few weeks ago, I I heard a a speaker that I follow. Her name is Kim Moss, and she is a former pastor. She is an author, a public speaker, and she would consider herself a modern-day prophet. And she uh, shared a familiar story that I want to share with you this morning. She had uh, just flown into a very large airport. She had made her way through the airport and out to curbside pickup. So many of us know that, right? We've retrieved our luggage. We're at the curb. We're waiting for our ride. And so she's standing outside of the building, and she notices a woman who is sitting in a wheelchair. And she felt this nudge from the Lord to go over and to speak with her and to pray with her. And her very first response when she got this nudge was, Really, God? I'm just waiting to get picked up, right? A lot of times we're just doing normal everyday things, and she's waiting to get picked up. And she says, you know, I just don't have time for this. I'm waiting for my ride to get me to my next destination. And and so she says in, in her mind to the Lord, Lord, if this is you, then send me a sign. Isn't that like us, right? Okay, God, we're just not going to believe it. We want a sign. And, and so um, she says, if we make eye contact, if she and this woman make eye contact, then she will know that it is the Lord. And again, this woman is sitting in a wheelchair, and she's sensing the need to pray for healing for this woman, whatever her condition is. So the woman that's sitting in the wheelchair, she's got a cell phone in her hand, and all of a sudden the cell phone goes flying out of her hand and is on the ground. And so the woman jumps up. She jumps up to retrieve her cell phone, and the two women lock eyes, and they make eye contact. And um, the the woman says to Kim, she says, you probably thought that this wheelchair was for me. She says, but someone left it here, and I'm just sitting in it waiting for my ride. (laughs) And so she was relieved, and she thought, oh, good, I'm off the hook. You know, everything's good. And then she felt this nudge again that the Lord said, I want you to go up, and I want you to talk to her. And so she said, okay, Lord, I've, you know, we've locked eyes. I'm getting the, the hint 
the nudge that there's something that you want to say to her. So the Lord had given her some words uh, for, this, for this woman. And uh, she proceeds to tell the woman who was sitting in the wheelchair, she says, I, I hope you don't think um, that you think I'm weird, but sometimes the Lord uh, will share things with me. I, I, I sense things from the Lord, and, um, and I feel like the Lord has a few words for you and wanted to know if you would be interested in hearing these words. And so she said, sure, and, and so Kim proceeds to share these words, and she says, you are a leader in your family. I'm sensing from the Lord that you are a leader in your family and that there's something going on in your family right now and that your family will listen to you. You don't need to be afraid to speak whatever it is that the Lord has given you. God will use your influence for good. Now keep in mind, we're at the airport, right? And the woman responds, I just flew in because my family is in crisis. And she came to address the problem. You see, when we take these, these steps of faith and these nudgings of the Lord, it's how we make Jesus known, right? Knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Words to bless another person. You see, Jonah was a prophet, and he was a reluctant prophet. God calls and sends us even in our reluctancy. Where are you reluctant right now in your life? In the last chapter of Jonah, we begin to understand why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. You see, Jonah knew the folks in Nineveh were wicked and sinful, and he didn't think that they were worthy of being saved. He was angry that God took mercy on them. You see, God's mercies are always unmerited, and his grace is never earned. So let's take a look at the final chapter of Jonah, chapter 4. I know and I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, and he sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and ease for his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about this plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm that chewed up the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And he wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about this plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. I just want to pause. Jonah is so dramatic. He's just so dramatic. He's a dr drama king, just a drama king. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I, have not, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people 
who cannot tell the right hand from their left, and also their many animals. You see, God's rebuke includes the care for even the hungry livestock. I want to speak in generalities for a moment about what, what I am observing in our society and in our culture. If there's someone who doesn't agree with us, someone that doesn't have or that has different values than us, if they commit crimes, um, if they have a sin then greater than our sin, that we tend to throw away these people. And I don't know if I, I'm speaking to anybody this morning, but we, we have a tendency to throw away people. You see, God reminds us through Jonah that people are in need of hearing the good news and the love of God, to be given an opportunity to experience the compassion of God, and he uses us, you and I, to be instruments of his peace, to be instruments of his peace. There were uh, a group of us that went down yesterday morning down to over the Rhine. We gathered at Washington Park, and uh, we set out into three different groups. And our mission, though we took backpacks, was to share the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. And again, we, 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 we split up into three different groups, and we, and we came back, and we kind of debriefed of, of where we saw God. And we all had different encounters. Um, but one of the main things that, that we experienced was people, were people that were ready to receive us, right? And they're very different than you and I. They dress very different than you and I. They bathe very different than you and I. But they're people that God loves, just like he loves you and I. And so we, we got to uh, introduce ourselves and, and um, told them we, you know, we were down there praying for folks and we had backpacks and we wanted to know how we could pray for them. And it was just an amazing experience and some more stories will come out later on this. In fact, we were even on the news last night. Uh, WCPO uh, featured us down there and uh, you know, that was not the point of it, but it's, it's nice to see that, that um, you know, the news is, is, is sharing uh, these efforts. And I thought it was interesting to see, you know, how it would turn out because, you know, I know all what I said. I must have said the name Jesus 20 times. <laughs> Did anybody hear the word Jesus on the broadcast? No, but that's okay. You know, we expected that. But the point was the people that, that we encountered heard the name Jesus and received the name Jesus. And again, it was just such a, a sweet experience. And many people um, were, were grateful uh, to, to engage with us uh, a lot of their prayers were for the community and for other people. Very, very, very humble. And then they wanted to pray for us. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, Sean Toadvine, uh, he, he uh, led a group, and he described it this morning as it was a circle, and it kept getting larger. And they almost had mini church, right? And somebody was shouting, preach, preach. And just the opportunity that we have um, to be a witness for Christ. And, and I have to tell you, we stepped out of our comfort zone, and uh, God's going to provide where he guides. I said that before. He's going to provide wherever he guides. And so I just want to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone. You don't have to go downtown. We can do it when we're in a restaurant. We can do it when we're at the grocery store. We can do it in our neighborhoods. We can do it in our workplaces. Uh, just to step out and to share the love of Jesus, to make him known. So a, a couple things for you to, to ponder this morning is where do you need a change of heart? Where do you need a heart change, right? To change the way that you think. 
There could be some of you that are running from something. Maybe what are you running from? And then where do you need to lean into his leading? You sense God's leading you somewhere, but you're hesitant. So where do you need to lean into his leading? Where do you need to have trust? And where do you need to embrace bold faith? Bold faith. And we are reminded uh, from Jonah that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. God provides where he guides. Let us pray. Father, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you for the testimony of Jonah, the reluctant prophet. And God, many of us are hesitant, we're reluctant, and uh, God, we've got some fear, and some are, are, are fleeing. They, they, they paid their fare, and they're on the boat somewhere else. But God, we're reminded, wherever it is that you are sending us to step out in faith, that you will provide wherever you're guiding God, we, we pray for those moments when we're in the belly of the whale and we don't know what's going to happen next. And we're reminded that you love us and that you are with us wherever we are. And God, I pray that you would give us new eyes to see people as you see them. We gather this morning to worship and praise your holy name. And God, we are reminded that we are instruments of your peace. It's in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus that we pray and all of God's people say, amen.